to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, we're going to be looking at kind of a dual type message today. I'm not sure exactly how this is going to go, but uh, we will we'll just do our best at it and pray that God will use it for His glory's sake. Amen? There ain't nothing going on here. If it's not for God's glory's sake, we're, it's not right. We want God's to be glorified. Tonight we're going to be preaching on the sixth feast of the Lord, the, the, uh, the Feast of Atonement. Now, I'll be honest with you. Don't miss that. Uh, you ever think about the word atonement is at one minute? And it's all about how God reconciles and so forth. By the way, uh, I don't, Dean, is he here this morning? Where's Dean not here? Dean, uh, in 1973, at the Yom Kippur in Israel, Yom Kippur in Israel is a holy day there. And that's the day in the Bible of the Feast of Atonement. Israel was ta- attacked in 1973 by all those Arab nations on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And it is a very important day in Israel's history. And Dean was in the military at that time when that happened. And they had him uh, on alert, sitting on a tarmac, all the soldiers ready to go into Israel from Germany. And um, anyway, uh, that I remember that thing so well about 1973 war. But anyway, it's kind of interesting that he was over there at that time. I want to draw something here this morning out and hope I can do this and I hope you'll be. Now, I'm going to say to all the folks over there, we are going to plan on having you a screen on that side to see when we get all that uh, sheetrock and everything done and so forth. But we'll just do the best we can for now. okay? but I want to I want to draw something here today in a circle. And if you're not able to see this, I hate it, but we'll just do. I think I'll move this thing up here. Maybe I think if I put it up here, maybe you'll see better. We're going to look this morning at a at a. Very, very strong and very, very widespread and deep subject in the Bible called adultery today. We're going to look at adultery and how adultery uh, is much more than the average person thinks that it is uh, with much more ramifications to it. And how adultery, the whole, the large concept of adultery has opened the gate for what is known as the sodomite movement in America. And so we'll be looking at this today, but we're going to try to cover some bases on that. But uh, uh, right now, we're just going to, we're going to go into this thing here. If I could get one of these things that writes good, maybe we There we go. All right, this here circle is going to represent the uh, moral boundaries that God has in the Word of God. Now, the Bible is our faith and pro- rule for faith and practice, right? If we're Christians, the Bible is the one that decides what's right and what's wrong. God is the one that established in Genesis chapter 2 marriage. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept, took one of his ribs, took hold of the flesh that stood there, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And this is the first marriage. That's why when you have a ceremony, probably for too long, I'm going to go through the whole deal. It's going to be fun of all, why we have all the marriage customs that we have. And especially back in the uh, 40 years ago, we dropped some of those biblical customs. We'll go through that and, and, show, and preach on that. But he said, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, so what you have there, Genesis is the book that is the seedbed of all doctrinal truth in the Bible. So God ordained a, a, a man and a woman, and so you have male and female. Right? You have a husband. You have a wife. All right? So God ordained that. And God brought them together and made them one in Christ. Just this week I had a situation where a lady called me. And she's got a mess on her hands. It's a tragic situation. Uh, Moved into Missouri. And when they moved in Missouri, the Missouri law is what's called, on real estate, is called, in marriage, is called the law of entireties. And uh, anyway, this guy really just actually just kind of to put it short. He took her on a ride. And so now we'll see once he married her, then he became owner of half what she has. 
In Louisiana, they have what's called tenants in common. If you're married in Louisiana, you don't have the law of entirety. Louisiana, just hang on your hats a little bit here because I'm going to give you some historical biblical truth about America. Louisiana had a strong, strong Roman Catholic influence in it, and, the, and it affected the state laws down there. One of the state laws is tenants in common, okay, which is an unbiblical concept. It means that each uh, the wife owns half and the husband owns half. Each own a separate 50%. So if the husband leaves her, she just takes her 50 In Missouri, it's called law of entireties. That means what the Missouri, uh, the early Missouri legislature recognized was the Bible, that the two shall be one. Okay? The two shall be one. And it's not separate. You're together. So that means, Kenny, whenever Lori married you, she just got half of everything you owed on. <laughs> amen? That's what happened to Karen. Amen? Uh, Karen got half of everything I owed when I, <laughs> she married me. Y'all didn't get that joke very good, I don't think. But you may get it someday. But anyway, in, in Missouri, so like you, they don't look at you as two people. They look at you as one. By the way, most states in Missouri or in the United States is that way. And this also had to do with voting rights. Your forefathers were not male chauvinists. They understood the biblical concept of representation. In fact, it was so powerful in our country that we established a nation that had representatives. You all don't go to to Jeff City or to Washington, D.C. to vote on every bill. You elect a representative to go for you. A home is a system of representation. And God ordained that the husband be the representative of the family of the home and of the marriage. And so, so it's a representative thing. It's a biblical concept. Now, so the Bible, uh, so now go to Exodus, go to Exodus chapter, um, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse number 14. Now what we're looking at here is the concept of marriage and, and what's happened and why judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Uh, okay, and, and the concept of marriage and adultery. Most people, if you ask people in America these days, what's adultery, they would say to you, and they wouldn't be wrong in the primary sense, they would say, well, that's a, that's a husband and wife, a man and woman married, and the one either is unfaithful to them in a physical, um, moral sense, unfaithfulness in marriage, that's, and, th- and that is adultery. But that's not near what all adultery is. If I had a glass of milk up here, or a glass of lemonade, and I poured some poison into it, that would be called adultering that glass of water. I could, you can adulterate it, you can put poison into something, you change its whole makeup where instead of being good for you, it is now bad for you and dangerous to you. Anything that adulterizes marriage is adultery, all right? Anything outside of God-ordained marriage, which is right there, where what was right there. Now, it says there, for thou shalt not commit adultery. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, we said it means that it, it, it might be unfaithfulness in your spouse. Now, let me go further with this. Jesus said that if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery with. Is that not true? So adultery can also not just be the actual act of doing. It can be uh, looking with lust. Our Savior said that is adultery. All right. Adultery is also same sex marriage. But there's no such thing as same-sex marriage because God gets to define it marriage. Not, they don't get to. They're just an, they're an immoral, illegitimate union of somebody living together. Okay, and, you, and by the way, it shocks me that we just wound up reading Romans chapter 1. I'm standing over a while ago and I'm reading Romans chapter 1. That's where we are at. We just finished Acts last week. Romans chapter 1 this week and look what I'm preaching. I didn't plan that, I'm telling you. So same-sex is a form of adultery. They're... They have adulterized God's moral pattern for marriage, okay, and for family. Okay, we're going to give you uh, several other things here, and I'm just going to take this and I want to draw, draw down on this for you a little bit here and just show you what can be adultery. You can, you can commit adultery by watching porn. You say, how's that? Because God says in Leviticus that you're not to look upon the nakedness of another person and specifically in your family and extended family members. Noah had a son who saw his father's nakedness and this thing didn't turn out real good. In fact, it turned out with a perpetual curse on his son. It is no light thing when God says these are the moral boundaries. You don't go around naked 
and you don't look upon nakedness. You stay away from it. Pornography is a form of adultery. In fact, if you tell me that you can watch pornography without having an unfaithful heart and spirit toward your spouse, you're lying out your stinking teeth. You need to brush your teeth and wash the lies out of it. Amen. And so, so porn can be that. Pedophilia. By the way, you know what they're wanting? Now they're calling this pedophile. Ain't no place in the Bible. God absolutely condemns molesting a child. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right now. This, I probably shouldn't. This probably sounds mean. But you, bet, you better. You, there probably be nobody connected with this church ever molest your children. Amen. In any way, shape, or form. And I don't mean maybe. Amen. If, I, if I find out that that's going on and it's the truth, I will be a bad enemy towards you. There ought to be no child in this church that ought to ever fear or have a doubt but what he's perfectly safe in the care of his father and his mother. Now I mean that. I'm just telling you, it's all over this country. Now they're, now what, if, you, if Jesus does not come, here's what you look for. They're already, call, these people are already calling themselves minor attracted persons. In other words, they're attracted to minors. Now we're a church and the Bible said that we're the salt and light of this country. And we're going to be the salt and we're going to be the light and we're going to sound the trumpet and we're going to warn against this and we're going to declare what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And that garbage is wrong as hell itself. That is satanic. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but you can't watch the news without finding about somebody in Mountain Grove, Springfield, Nixer, or somewhere that got arrested or somebody for, I mean, and, and, and the teachers and I mean preachers and everybody molesting children. It is a pandemic in this country and it's wrong and it's got to stop. Now, I'm going to throw my curveball at you right here. It is the sodomite crowd, the proud people this month are looking at us and saying, all right, you're very selective in your, your adultery. You only make adultery out to be if you went out on your wife. And yet the Bible says, the Bible teaches clearly that any of this stuff is adultery. And so my adultery is bad, but your adultery is okay. That's our problem. That's why the church has opened the floodgates to hell in this country because we are selective in what we think adultery is. We think that's bad, but what we do is okay. All right, now. So, the, the, transgenderism. That's outside. That, the Bible's clearly about that. You lie with a man, it's with a woman, it's an abomination to God. The Bible says, that you, if you wear that which appertains to a man and you're a woman, you're an abomination to God. Right. Vice versa. You do not wear the clothes. You do not have the, the Bible calls it effeminate in men in the book of in, in 1 Corinthians 6. And the Bible said that you're not, you're not going to heaven if you're effeminate and plus a lot of other things. We'll get to that pretty soon. Let me just tell you something. I've been praying all week long. And I'll be honest with you, I dread it. I just dread it like Craig preaching this message. But I'll tell you something, I'm heading straight to eternity. I'm 69. It won't be long till I'll be in eternity. And I'm going to preach this Bible if it burns the devil's backside. I'll tell you, I, there I said that word again, didn't I? If, if it burns the devil's nose, <laughs> I'm going to preach what this Bible teaches because I'm telling you, and I do not want anybody who hears me online or hears me in this church to look at me at judgment day and say, Reggie, you preached on this, that, and the other, but you never preached on what I'm, what I'm dealing with right now at judgment. And you weren't faithful to the word of God, and I don't want that. Let me go right here. Divorce and remarriage. We're going to be looking at this pretty soon. Now, here's what you and I know. Now, listen to me. You could, you, could be unfaith, you could have been unfaithful to your spouse. And you know what you know? That if you humble yourself and seek the Lord and ask his forgiveness, did you know you can be forgiven for that? Amen. Hey, can you be forgiven for that or not? Amen. But I tell you what you can't do. You can't be cocky and walk around like, well, I don't care if somebody don't like it, they can just stick it because I don't care. You have attitude, you're not forgiven, you're not right with God, and that weight is hanging on your soul. You're, you're just like a sodomite over there with your pride about your sin. What, but what a Christian ought to know, I'm going to tell you something, I have pastored, usually about 70% of this church for 41 years has been divorced and remarried people. And I'll tell you why. It's because there is mercy at the cross, there is forgiveness for our sin, but don't act like it's not sin. Amen. And you say, well, 
uh, it shouldn't be done. Yeah, that's right. A lot of other things shouldn't be done too. But if we can't offer forgiveness for our sin, what are we doing here? But there's a difference between having an humble attitude and an honest attitude about our sin and say, you know, that's wrong. Then sitting over here at a pride parade saying, bless God, I'll put this in your face and I'm proud of it. There's a lot of difference between that. And I'll tell you, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I'm just saying this too, but transgenderism, hey kids, I'm going to tell you something right now. In this church, I won't be honest, I want the boys look like boys, act like boys, talk like boys, and fight like a boy. I'd rather see all these boys down there fighting on the ball field and getting mad and have jerk them all apart and have a bunch of sissies in this church. I ain't putting up a bunch of sissies. Amen. You girls, I want you to act like women, ladies. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you need to slap that Joe, if you need to slap Joe, slap him, I guess, but it'll be a lady about it when you slap him. Amen. Look like a lady. Talk like a lady. Be a woman. Amen. God made you to be a woman. Act like a woman. Quit trying to look like some old sow. Amen. And act like some old mean sound. I'll tell my husband how it'll be. Boom. I can't stand you. <laughs> That's exactly right. I don't like bossy women. You ain't the head of the house, amen. You're going to ruin your home. And wait till I get to you men. <laughs> Incest, we talked about that a while ago, molesting. And it doesn't matter, I'm just looking down through here, make sure I get it all. I don't want to miss something the devil. But here's what I'm saying. All of this is a form of adultery. Wait a minute, I missed one. Fornication. All right? And there's probably others that I've missed, but here's what I'm getting to. Is that all of these things are a form of adultery. All right? Adultery is not just marital unfaithfulness to a spouse. It is, it is adulterizing the God-ordained marriage union. Amen. And it all, it messes it up. So it's all adulterous. So that having been said again, the reason that the church did this, because in, boy, I don't know, this ain't going real good, is it, guys? We're going to, in 1900, Actually, I'll go back to 1880. In 1880, there was three and a half percent of the population of America's married couples that got divorced annually. Three and one half percent. By 1900 and 1920, to 1920, it rose to 7%. Okay? Since 1975 to the date, we have 47 to 52 to 53 percent of American couples getting divorced in the church. The ratio of divorces in the church is higher than the ratio of people not in church. But I believe there's a reason. I believe there's somewhat of that. We might get that later. Now, in 1990, I want to prove something to you here. And this just rocked my boat. In 1990, most couples lived in homes that were heated by wood or coal. How'd you like to carry no heat, no, no gas, no electric, no nothing you turn on with the knob. You carry it all in. Did I say 1990? 1900, I'm sorry. Thank you, I appreciate that. Neither did they have indoor plumbing. What they have, we call it a path and what was that? Yeah, outhouse, but they used to call it a path and something else. I don't know, but anyway, they didn't have to inc- Can you imagine raising your kids now with no running water? Can you imagine no toilet? But in 1900, we only had 7% of our marriage. You'd think with no indoor toilet, I'm leaving you. No air conditioning. Vast majority of American couples had no air conditioning, no indoor plumbing, heated with wood and coal. None of them had microwaves. <laughs> None of them had air conditioning. None of them had washing machines. And hardly anybody had a, mo- a vehicle. I'm leaving you. Life's too hard. We don't have enough. I'm not happy. We are, so, we are so stupidly sick in this country. It's crazy. But you know what we think? We think if we have all these things, it's going to make our marriage happier, and it hasn't. Isn't that odd? Life expectancy of 1900 was 49.2 years. The leading cause of death was pneumonia and TB. 
I had, a, I had a, a, an uncle, died three years old with pneumonia. Down in the valley where my grandparents, there's all kinds of people died of pneumonia. They, they didn't have nothing for it. They just lungs filled up and that's it, you're done with. People just dying right and left. Couldn't go to a hospital, you didn't just run to the hospital, you didn't just run to the deal, you just didn't run anywhere. Average couple had very little formal education in America at the time. So what's the summary of all this? Did more money and a better income and a better house and a nice car and air conditioning and microwave and a washer and a dryer, did it make us a happier people? It has not. Did it make our marriages more stable? It has not. So you say, Reggie, what is the problem? In the 1900s, I said there was a 7% divorce rate. The current decline in divorce, by the way, there is a decline in divorce in America in the last few years. But it's not because people are staying, it's because there's not as many people getting married. They're just living together without marriage. Now, we're going to run through a bunch of verses here. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 18. The Bible says, again, neither shalt thou commit adultery. Keep in mind that any of this stuff outside God-ordained marriage and the moral boundaries of God's marriage is adultery. Leviticus 20.10. Just keep running, guys. The man that, and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. And it goes, and by the way, it would do you good as husbands, wives to read Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20 and go back to that. That law has never been abrogated. Never. In fact, I'll give you one. We're going to go here pretty soon about the remedy of adultery. In John chapter 8, there was a woman brought to Jesus by the Pharisees who had been caught in the very act of adultery. Did I say something? Get the date wrong, Terry, or something? Other? Okay. When they brought there, they said, Moses commanded us to stone her. But they were twisting the scriptures. What did, what did Moses say what, when they're talking about the Bible in the Old Testament? Both of them had to be. They had, if, 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 they, if they were honest about it, where was the man when they brought the woman? He's probably standing there. He's one of their big buddies. I'll give you another one about this. Now, you let me tell you something. We serve a God who is a God of justice. But I tell you, he's a God of mercy. When David sinned with Bathsheba, that was adultery. All right. He took another man's wife, had that man killed. But when David was confronted with that, and boy, there's, you talk about some amazing life truths. Read that, that account. We may pretty soon. They, uh, uh, the prophet Nathan said, thy sins are forgiven and you're not going to die. Why do you say that? Because David deserved to die according to the law. What did David find? Mercy. And this was, yes, mercy. This is the secret of David's life. Yeah. The whole secret of David's life is not killing Goliath. It's not any of that. It, he understood that if God was a God of justice only and righteousness, he would be in hell yeah. with no hope. And you and I would too. Because right. we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason Jesus died is because you can't pay for your sin in hell. Did you know you could burn in hell for a million years and never pay for one sin? You going to hell does not pay for your sin. The only thing that pays for sin in the sight of a holy God is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He accepts no other payment. So don't think you're going to go to hell and pay for your sin. That's not it. You're already condemned. The sin can only be paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. But that's the law right there. All right, now let's go on down to uh, Isaiah 57. Watch this. Now remember in Isaiah, you're looking toward the captivity. You're looking toward the, the time when Israel was deteriorating as a nation and going into captivity and they were in sin. But draw near, near hither, ye sons of the sorceress, the seed of the adulterer and the whore, against whom ye sport yourselves, against whom ye make a wide mouth and draw out the tongue. Are ye not children of transgression, seed of falsehood? Inflaming yourselves. I want everybody to watch this verse. Inflaming yourselves. What does it mean to inflame yourself? Pornography will inflame you. Now this Bible, this Bible knows you better than you know yourself. Inflaming yourselves with idols. What's an idol? Something that comes between you and God and the Word of God that causes you to disregard the Bible. What's what happens when people become inflamed? Like the Bible talks about a generation of adulterers, an evil and adulterous generation. 
Yeah. We're in that now. And what's happening in America is people are inflaming themselves. They're full of idolatry. They've swept God aside. There are all kinds of stuff. Their own lust and satisfaction between them and God. What happens? Slay the children in the valleys under the cliffs of the rocks. Kill your own children. Why would you kill your own children? So they don't bother your pleasure life. Right. And because it's satanic and they're demon infested. Right. Amen. Well, let's go on down to um, Jeremiah 23. The, for the land is full of adulterers. Keep this in mind. This is not just talking about somebody that's unfaithful to their wife or to their, their husband. This is talking about people who are involved in all of these forms of adultery. And this land, America, is full of adulterers. For because of the swearing, the land mourneth, the pleasant places of the wilderness dried up, and their course is evil. Watch this here, verse 11. For both the prophet and the priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. God says there's a problem in the churches. There's a problem with the preachers. Uh, Go to verse number 14. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem an horrible thing. How many thinks if God said something's horrible going on, it'd be horrible? Here's what it is. They commit adultery, walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of the evildoers. That's what the Biden administration is doing right now. That's a fact. They're strengthening the hands of the evildoers. Hey, yesterday, Biden had a big pride celebration, a queer celebration, a sodomite, pervert celebration in the White House of this country. That man is an abomination. I don't care if he is the president. I'm telling you right now, before God Almighty, that is extreme, extreme wickedness that will bring the wrath of Almighty God upon this land. It's wrong. There's a reason that guy gets down and smells the necks of little girls. There's a reason that guy takes his hands. You don't do that junk unless you're an adulterer, a pedophile, a child molester. That none doth return from his wickedness, for they are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. And that's where we're at in this country right now. Go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 8, 9 through 10. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery? Watch this, watch this. And burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not. Everybody, look, look at verse number 10. Let me get this further out of the way so most folks over there can see it. Look at verse number 10. He said, you're going to murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense unto Baal, which is going on in this country right now, everywhere, every little town's doing it, and walk after other gods whom you know not. And then what he said you do, come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we're delivered to do these abominations. This is why the sodomite crowd can look around and say, don't talk to me about what I do. Dad used to look at Playboy. He was a deacon. You got all these preachers running off everybody else's wife. And you're going to condemn us for our adultery? But you're, oh, we got adulteries that's okay in the church, but we got adulteries that's not okay out here. And they look at us as supreme hypocrites. Go to, um, well, let's go here to verse 10. Go go back to verse number 10 if you don't care, guys. I don't know how it's going to go. Watch this. Yeah, he said, and come and stand before me in this house, call my name and say, we're delivered to do all these abominations. In this house, which is called by my name, it become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I've seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now to my place, which was in Shiloh, which I set my name first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Now, what's God saying? He said, can't you go back in history and see what I did to those people for that? Don't you realize you're not going to get by with this? It's not going to stand? Go to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse number 7. Go to verse number 5 if you don't care. Yeah, I'm sorry. 5, 7. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Thank you. How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, sworn by them that they're no gods. 
When I had fed them to the full, they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlot's houses. They were fed horses in the morning, every one of them night, night after his neighbor's wife. The word nigh is for, for a horse. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been around horse breeding farms, but a, a horse stud goes absolutely crazy and he just, he'll, he'll nearly knock the barn wall down. And that's, a, that's a, a, a very wild description right here about everybody's looking at somebody else's wife. Everybody's looking at some other woman. Go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at these. You have heard, Jesus said, that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Right. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman who lusteth after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Look at verse 29. This is, this is wild. In that context of that, Jesus gives some of the awfulest warnings about hell you ever saw in your life. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 7 that her, her path lead to hell. All right, go to, um, well, let's go down to 32. Well, you know those, I'm, I'm going to pass those by, but look at verse number 31. It has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a right in divorcement. But I say to you, now here's something interesting. Watch this. It has been said by who? It was the cultural click. Wasn't the word of God. But I say unto you, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, save him for the cause of fornication, cause her to commit adultery. Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Now, watch the next thing. Verse 33. You have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. What do you do when you get married? You give vows. Oath. Do you promise? So, okay. Now, again, now you just hang on to your hats a little bit. Here's the thing about it. I have been guilty of some of this form of adultery, all right? I doubt there's anybody sitting in here or listening that hasn't been guilty in some way, some form of the adultery that's outside all that, okay? So don't get all bent out of shape this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at God and say, Lord, help me this morning. And just to be honest, it's straight up and then to get your remedy for this situation, if I haven't already, okay? Don't bull up on me and don't bull up on God. You, I'll tell you what, his spirit will withdraw from you and you won't get no help. But if you'll say, Lord, speak to my heart today, God will help you. Now, back that up there to verse 30, 31. All right. Now, here's what's went on in the church. I said, to you that whosoever should put away his wife, save him for the cause of fornication, cause her to me. They took that and made that's what's called the exception clause. And here's what they'll say. they say, well, if your spouse is unfaithful to you, that gives you a right to divorce them. That is not what that says at all. Amen. You have to go back to the Old Testament to get that. When it says except fornication. What is fornication? Fornication is a type. Is a type of adultery. Okay. It's a type of adultery. But it's not unfaithful to your spouse. Here's what it is in the Old Testament. I'll tell you what. It, it's, it's sexual activity before you're married. It's fornication. Okay. Now. Here's what God. Here's what Jesus was doing. Jesus stuck strictly by the word of God. And here's what the deal was. If a man was a spouse to a maid, okay? And they came together in marriage and, she, and he found out that night that she wasn't a virgin, he could put her away. But if he didn't put her away, he had to stay, remain to her. If he accused her of not being a maid, a virgin, and the father and the mother was able to bring the tokens of virginity to them, that man was fined and had to stay with that woman. That's so far away from what the average preacher is preaching in America is crazy. We've made excuses for us to get divorces based upon something that's not even biblical at all. You cannot, you cannot run this thing with scriptures and come up with that. That's man-made. Now, here's why. In the 19, after 1930s of the Depression, coming up out of that time, we had 7% divorces. Watch this. You started getting Hollywood yeah. and you started getting more wickedness being open. Yeah. And then you had Hollywood figures who were getting divorces and they made it in America. Okay. Right. They just did that. Everybody, well, you know, they're getting. And so the divorce rate started increasing post-World War II. All right. What did we do in our churches? We said it's okay. And we quit preaching on it. Because we didn't want to hurt nobody's feelings. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
But I'm going to be honest with you. If you love me, you'll tell me the truth. Amen. All right? What we need to do is make sure that people understand there is forgiveness. And there is reconciliation with God. And you can be forgiven. Amen. And by the way, let me just pull the, pull the monkey out of the box. There's also, if you study it very carefully, it's, there's a lot in there about what spouse is doing what. But we can always say, well, it's everybody's fault. You can go back to that and all that garbage you want to. But here's the thing about it is we've lost personal responsibility. What am I supposed to do? Not what is they, she supposed to do or anything. What am I supposed to do? Because here's the fact of it. Now watch what happened. In the 1950s, California, which is a bad situation every time, yeah. passed a what's called the first no-fault divorce law in the United States of America. And by that it meant that you could just go into the court and say, you know what, I want to bust my marriage up. And he'll say, well, how come? I don't have any reason. I just, no fault. There's no fault. I just don't live with them longer. So boom. And that law in California, because people liked it, because it freed them from the, from the, from the covenant of their marriage, and they could go out and live and do what they wanted to instead of working through and getting God's grace and being faithful to God and their spouse and their family and their children and to their neighbors, we could just go off with another woman. Well, boy, oh boy, that's, that's a new America now. Yeah. Now watch the divorce rate. To the degree that we started passing no-fault divorce laws in America through the country, our divorce rate went straight up. Why? Because we've lost the commitment to, and I'm going to say this and I'll say it again. The reason the divorce rate went up from 7% in 1900 to 50% today is because we have quit loving. That's it. Everything else is just fruit off of the root of no love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love endureth all things. And our forefathers, watch this, the reason they stayed together because they knew the biblical concept of the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. And they understood the value of the God-ordained nuclear home and marriage of a male and a female to to have liberty and to have freedom. Let me just tell you about the Sodomite crowd. You will have no liberties and no freedom by the time they're done. That's right. You will not buy groceries unless you bow to the, to the Sodomite flag by the time this thing's over with. Nowhere in history has that garbage out of hell given liberty to anybody but only taken liberties away from everybody. Okay, let's go to... Um, Matthew 19, 3 through 9. Pharisees came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put it away his wife for every cause? No fault divorce. He answered and said unto them, Have you not read that which you made at the beginning, made them male and female? Somebody said, Jesus didn't say anything about all this stuff. Yes, he did. Right there. And for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, cleave his wife, they shall turn to one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. Wherefore God, what God, what therefore God hath joined together. Let not a judge. Anybody else? Put us under. Watch verse 7. They say to him, why did Moses then command to give a right and divorce and put it away? First of all, Moses never commanded it. He gave a permission for it on the divorce deal. Okay, he gave it. He gave a permission, but he didn't command them. You're talking about perversion. Right. And he saith unto them, Moses, because of why? Hardness. Hardness of your hearts. Brother Don's in. I love you. You're going to help me preach this morning. Don and Sheila both have been through a divorce remarriage. Now, I'm doing this for a purpose because I want you kids to get a hold of this. And, I, and on Sheila's part, I wasn't near close on that deal, but I was close on Don's deal. And I'm going to tell you what happened with Don. He went into the courtroom and did everything he could to appeal that judge not to let the divorce go through. Are you listening to me? He did the right thing. I'm not patting Don on the, uh, who could, Sheila, who, how do you live with the man? I don't really understand. But he, <laughs> that's enough. Okay. Tough, huh? A lot of grace. Amen. But here's what I'm saying. What did Don do? Did he get mad at me as a preacher? 25, 30 years ago because I preached on this? No, he didn't. You know what he said? I know it's wrong, 
but I'm going to seek the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. confess my part of it wrong, sin, I'm going on down the road of life. Amen. You know what God did? God didn't bless the divorce. He blessed the attitude that he had after the divorce. Are you listening to me? Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. Is anybody making excuses for it? No. But what are you going to do if your spouse leaves you? Amen. Jason, we can set you and I and say, oh, I'll tell you what never would happen to us. We don't know that. Amen. You don't know that. Keep low. Amen. Keep humble. You don't know what can happen to you in your life. The people can do things you don't have any control over. Amen. Right. The key then is the response that you have to God and his word in it. Yes. God is a God of mercy. Ask David. Yes. Amen. God is a God of mercy. Ask that woman caught in the act of adultery. But Jesus didn't say, don't worry about it, sis. Go have yourself a good time tonight. What did he tell her? Go and sin no more. Stop it. My grace, basically, you know, if I could add a little bit there and not do damage to the scripture, it's almost like Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee, but don't turn my grace into lasciviousness. Don't use my grace for a license to go out and live like your flesh wants to live. I am a holy God, but I am a God of mercy. And we're going to deal with this in truth and in mercy. But we're not going to act like, well, bless God, everything's just fine. It's not. Amen. And I'm telling you this, this morning, how many could think possibly this might be a little tough to preach? Just a little bit on the, uh, to, to have a right spirit and the right attitude, to, to, to speak the truth and do it in love, Amen. to lead people to the truth of God's word about these matters. He said, because, put your way wise, but it's not beginning, it's not so. I say unto whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for, there it is again, fornication shall marry another, committeth adultery. Whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. <laughs> the disciples, they was pretty smart. Look what they said. That is the case men be sold to wife, it's good not to marry. <laughs> they thought, you know what that meant? It threw them guys. Yep. It threw them. They said, good grief of life, maybe better off than you can get married. That's the case. That's going to take something. Okay, back to Don's in. Don, don't get mad at me, okay? I love you. He called me one day. He said, could you meet me in Mountain Grove? I made him up here. It was raining, pouring rain. You remember that day, Don? I got in Don's truck, or he got in mine. I forget now. <laughs> this had been after the whole deal was over, and he said to me, he said, Reggie, he said, um, me and she was getting married. Now, I'm not asking you to marry us, but he said, I, I wanted to respect you enough to tell you that we're getting married. And I, I said this to Don. I said, Don, I said, uh, don't ask me to tell you it's okay. But I'm going to tell you this, I'll always be your friend. That's right. And Dawn has been that way. Isn't it? And Lord, give them four boys. And you know, it's a blessing, Dawn. I'm trying to tell you this morning, you better perk up your ears and you better look at what's going on around you and you better say, how am I responding to the things that I got hit with in life? Now, I know some of you may be sitting back here and say, well, you're kind of proving the door. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, hey, do you want me to quit being your friend because your husband left you? Or because your wife left you? And maybe you get married later on to somebody else? I, 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 did I tell you to do it? No. I said, Don, it's against Scripture. Don't ask me to approve of it, but I'm still going to be your friend. I'm still your pastor if you let me be. And I'll still love you. And Don, you can kick me and throw a rock at me after church. But I want to tell you something. Life's real. Life's not a joke. Amen. And things can get tougher than you ever dreamed they could get. Amen. And here's what I'm trying to get you. This balance that what the Bible teaches at the same time for a repentant, humbled heart. I, I tell you what, when Pope was up there one time, and I, this is going crazy this morning, but there's a couple been been coming to church, and I can tell after about two or three Sundays who's running the house. And it weren't him. That's a hint. <laughs> and a man that's in this church house this morning got up and gave his testimony about God's grace. It wasn't Don. About God's grace toward him in a broken marriage and, uh, and, and the after effects of it in his life. And so you know, and had met another lady and married her later down the road. And, and um, 
I just humbly give God's testimony about how good God, merciful God had been to him. Man, I mean, I phoned rung off the next day. Can you get up here to our house and see us? They lived up around Seymour, Marcus, somewhere up here. I go up here and I said, I had no clue what was going on, Brett. I sat down and I mean, that Banny Rooster, she come out of her cluck cluck <laughs> with both wings up in the air. <laughs> and telling me how wicked I was to let a man get up who had been divorced and remarried to give a testimony of God's grace in his church. I said, well, Dear sister, I said, what, 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 I said, what do you think I should do? With all, all, I said, send, him, send that church is divorced, remarried. <clears throat> People are just trying to get your life straightened up with God. Amen. She says, well, number one, she said the kids should be put in some kind of institution or given to other families. Oh. <laughs> you know what I did, Brett? I looked at her and I said, you're crazy. There you go. There you go. Me and you ain't going to get along very good <laughs> as of right now. You're telling me that you want me to take all those kids in that church, that's children of broken homes and, and so forth, and you want me to put them out to somebody else or some institution? Yeah, that's what's supposed to be done. I said, no, it ain't. You're crazy. Now, I can't be the pastor for a lot of people. I'm just telling you. And you pull that kind of nonsense on me, and I, ain't no way I could pastor you. Because you're loony. You need the devil for your, you've already got the devil for your pastor. Why would I want you? <laughs> oh, mercy, six, seven. <sighs> Let me give you the super example. Matthew chapter one. Put Matthew chapter one, boys, up here, verse number eight. Let me give you the super example. I want to tell you right now, let's just get it flat-footed. Bible's against divorce. I'm against divorce. Bible's against remarriage. I'm against remarriage. Okay? But the Bible gives mercy, I want to give mercy. Amen. If you don't like that, find you, find you some knothead that'll get and preach on everybody's sin but yours. Anyway. Look at here. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. 18. I want y'all to get this. This is good. Christmas story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph. That means that they were going to get married. As far as the Jewish law is considered, they were already married. They just hadn't consummated yet. Okay? Before they came together, physically, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Problem. Problem. <laughs> Big problem. <laughs> I've already ordered the cake and the flowers and all everything else. Found child of the Holy Ghost. Watch verse number nine. Then Joseph, her husband, being a fundamentalist and willing to make her a public example, minded to drag her out in front of the court and stone her to death. You don't ever get a past scripture about this subject. You better get this one. Joseph's one of the greatest men in the Bible. Representing the true nature of what God Almighty is like. He didn't know till God told him what was going on, did he? What do you boys think? <laughs> Joseph, her husband, he was called her husband before they ever came together. Being a just man, get that? A just man. That means he was lined up with the Word of God and with God Himself. He was a justified, saved man. Not willing to make her a public example. They were supposed to take those girls out and stone them. Read your Bible in the Old Testament. You know, what, you, know what, you know what Joseph's real problem was? He loved her. He loved her. But Joseph also knew that she had been, quote, supposedly unfaithful to him. And so, rather than make a public example, he was minded to put her away. Now, put away is a term in the Bible for divorce. To put her away how? I ain't making no big scene about this. We're just going to stop the marriage deal. It's done right now. And I don't want to hurt her. I sure don't want her stoned. I want her to have God's mercy. But we will stop the marriage. 
That's when God stepped in and told Joseph what was going on. See, he was doing exactly what the Old Testament, what Jesus talked about, except for the cause of fornication. It's exactly matches like that. He could put her away for fornication, having been unfaithful prior to marriage. He could do that. But he had mercy on her. How many of you are glad for the mercy of God today? How, how many would be like Reg Kelly? If you'd lived in the law and the law had been executed, you'd been stoned years ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you. And I'll tell you what, I'd have moved to Iowa where there's no rocks, amen. <laughs> Live here in the Ozarks, they're too handy. But while he thought on those things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto me there my wife, marry thy wife. By the way, he called her his wife. For that which is conceived in her is the Holy Ghost, and he shall bring forth a son. And you know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story because the man was just and because he had mercy. God used that family. Amen. And you know what the... You know what they did all the time for the rest of Jesus? I said he was born for an occasion. His Roman, Roman soldier was his daddy. Yep. To this day, that's what's said in some circles of the world about that right there. Well, let's see. I've only got 14 pages left. We're getting down the road here a little bit. I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. Let me just get this over with and say in, in finishing that uh, the liberals lie if they talk, they're lying. They're of their father, the devil. Now, here's what a liberal will tell you that the reason it was 7% in 1900 and 50% today, here's what they'll tell you. And they do, t- this is what they perpetrate all the time. Number one, they'll say that the wife abuse was culturally accepted back then and hidden. That's a lie. That is a lie. There was more, there was more, uh, sh- you, what you call wife protected uh, attitude and husband back then they are there now. Uh, wife abuse is way worse today than it was in 1900. I'll tell you about those old men back then. You cuss in front of their wife, that knocks your teeth down your throat. Why? Because they love their wife. You don't treat her like that. You ain't talking like that. In front. Secondly, they said, well, the divorce laws were difficult. Well, sure that's difficult. It's meant to be. But the reason they were more difficult is because they were more biblical. And the culture reflected biblical and wanted biblical law. Amen. Now the culture's rejected biblical law, so we want, eat, we, don't, we want to make it easy. By the way, let me tell you something. Laws do not change culture. Truth changes culture, and cultures change laws. If you don't believe that, our culture has deteriorated to, in this issue, and we changed our laws to fit the culture. Amen. It all comes from the heart. The heart of people is what the ultimate deals of law will be, as far as humanly speaking. Third one, they said that there there weren't any women's rights back then. There's no evidence whatsoever that that was any issue about the divorce rate at that time. And by the way, when they're talking about women's rights, I want to see, how's this all worked out real good? How's this all working out real good? I want to tell you something. Right now, back, back when I was a boy, very, especially post-World War II, very few women worked out the home. Now, isn't this amazing that the man could go make a living? Now, they, no, they didn't have Cadillacs and they didn't have blah, blah, blah. But they stayed together. And a man can make a living. You know what we've got now? The whole thing is the love of money is the root of all evil. They want them women out there in the workplace because see, the more people, that's just like crossing the border right now. The more people can get in, the less labor price you have to pay. Can anybody here imagine what you could make an hour if it weren't for illegal aliens working? You got any idea what you could make an hour? Do you know why they want all these people coming across the border? Lower your wages. Put all of you in bondage. Put all of you outside the house working for nothing. Did you know you're going behind right now? Right now, interest rates, a year ago, three and a half. Right now, jumped to seven and a quarter. Banker just told me this week. Do you know how much that increases your house payment? You ladies can't work fast enough, hard enough, and get up early enough and run back home cook supper to keep up with the interest rates that's jumping in this country right now. We better start living by our means. Better get back to what our forefathers understood and knew and do it right. 
they said, well, the lifespan was low, uh, lower back then. Most divorces occur between ages of 25 and 39 years of age. By the way, mo in, in the early 1900s, most couples tended to get married a lot younger than they do nowadays. Yeah. And terrible, terrible of terrible, they had kids. Yeah. <laughs> What's to say, Reg? What's the most, most marriages at this time in history end up in divorce? Reason? Lack of love. Take your Bible, put up Romans 13, because Romans chapter 13, verse number uh, uh, 8, I think it is. Romans 13, verse number 8. Watch this. O man anything, no man anything, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath done what? Fulfill the law. All the laws about marriage, all the laws about finances, all the laws about all of it are fulfilled in one thing that's love. You said, Reggie, why are there 50% divorce rate instead of seven? Because we don't love each other anymore. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. If I love that woman right there, Ty, will I be faithful to her? If I love her. Amen. See, if I love, it's not, the rest of it's not hard. That's why I say there's only one rule in this whole church. One, love. <coughs> love God, love each other, love the lost. Simple. Yeah. If I love her, will I be slapping her around? Nope. Kenny? No. If I live by the higher law of love, right. divorce won't even be a consideration. That's right. Amen. Uh, God wants to make it so easy, right. so sweet. You know, I was just laying there the other night thinking she was down at camp with ladies, and I was thinking, boy, how can I get out of this marriage? Boy. No, I wasn't. I was wondering when she going to get back home. <laughs> love. The reason our divorce rate is not, is what it is, it's not because we have air conditioners. <laughs> it's not because we've got microwave ovens. The real truth is we've got it too easy. And we think everything's supposed to be easy. And even we think marriage is supposed to be easy. How many knows that marriage is not easy? Americans look for easy lives, immediate gratification, quick fixes, personal rights versus responsibility. We want luxury. And uh, we wind up being the most depressed generation there ever was, the most discontent, and the most disobedient. Those couples back then knew that anything that had value was worth working for. And honey, we got to work this out. So we had authority Sunday here many, many years ago, invited all the judges and all the office, county officers and everything come. We had a nice deal, all the dinner picked up. And I was preaching, I was preaching right over there. And the circuit judge was here that Sunday. I never will forget this if I live to be 150 years old. I was, and I... I I don't know how I got off on this, but I got talking about couples having tr trouble. And I said, uh, if we did this, I said, if I was, and I just said like this, I said, if I was the judge and a couple come to me wanting to get, get divorced, I'd say, well, we're going to spend six weeks in a cell back here by yourselves together, see if you can't get it worked out. And then we'll talk about divorce. How many things, if you sit six weeks back in a jail cell together, you might get things worked out. You would. Honey, whatever it takes to get out of here, let's get it fixed. And I'll never forget, he went, <laughs> like that. He just, his whole body moved. He thought that's crazy. They're like, whoa. <laughs> what happened was from the 1940s on, we normalized the adultery of marital infidelity, divorce, remarriage, silence in our churches, and social acceptance. And so now we sit in our churches and tell our kids, it's okay to do adultery as long as you do it like I do it. Right. And now, watch this. But the kids always do in excess what the parents did in moderation. Yeah. David had several wives. Solomon had hundreds. Right. And the kids turn around and say, well, dad, it was okay for you to do that. And it was okay for you to do that. Mom, it's okay for you to do that. Yeah. Don't tell me that I can't be married to a man. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I understand, dad. Your adultery's different than my adultery. And that's why we're at. Because when the churches fell silent about the broad subject of adultery, it opened the floodgate for sodomy and for every other kind of perversion. That's right. Better get down to the deal, don't you think? Let me just throw this at you and I'll finish. It's sodomy, not gay. It is adultery, not an affair. It is fornication, not being sexually active. Amen. It is pedophile and a pervert, not minor attracted. 
It is not your significant other. It is fornication. I never will forget. And I close. I had laryngitis one Sunday. And believe it or not, I put a rough preacher on, and a lot of people don't like him, but he, 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 he can get the job done. I don't agree with everything about him. But I prayed. I said, Lord, what should I do? I can't. I mean, I could not speak. Some of you may remember this. And I, and I was having to play a CD for the morning message. And I was sitting over there, and when the message got done, they turned on the CD. I just feel like I should give an invitation, and I did. Unbeknownst to me, there was a couple in church that morning visiting that had been living together, not married. And they came and they knelt down right there. I never forget the longest day I lived. And both of them got saved right there that morning. And I will never forget this the longest day I lived. I was knelt down there with them. They leaned over to each other and whispered a little bit. They raised their heads up and said, Reggie, we need to get married. Nobody had to tell them. Amen. The Holy Ghost of God bore witness to them. And the first thing they wanted to do, Brother Phil, after they got saved, was get married. Right attitude. God blesses that. I love y'all. Don't go out of here today. If you don't think God has mercy, read David in Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out all my transgressions. God was a God of mercy. The truth about it is, in some manner, shape, or form, we're all adulterers. The key is, what do we do with it? And how do we act about it? How do we respond to God about it? Love you. Let's stand together.